So we are starting a new sermon series today. Uh, I love the Bible, and uh, it's an amazing book. And I've, I've, I was fortunate to grow up in a home where we, uh, the Bible was present. And when I was nine years old, I wanted my own Bible. And so my mom, for Christmas, got me a, a very nice Bible. And I said, uh, Mom, I don't want that one. I want, you know, a bigger one and with a soft... I wanted a leather cover Bible. So when I was nine years old, I got this for Christmas. I got this very Bible here, and, I, and it was precious to me. I never wrote in it, never marked it up. It was just too nice of a thing. We bought a nice case for it, and I've had it ever since. And I've had other Bibles. I like my paper Bibles the best, but my Bible today, the m- most common Bible I use is something like this, my iPad, because it's, it's right there, and it's so easy to search, and so quick, and it weighs a lot less than this to carry around, and, and that's wonderful. I think that's great. Even on a, a smartphone, um, there's audio Bibles and dramatic readings of, of the Bible, and there's so many different ways to, that we have access to God's Word. There's even a story of, of a man who, his mother was, was, loved the Bible. She was very old, and she was losing her vision and easily confused, but she, she loved the Bible, and her son really wanted her to have it. Um, but she, she could no longer read, and then she couldn't work a computer or uh, an iPad or even CD player, anything like that. Uh, technology was not for her. So he, he heard of that there was a parrot that was trained to recite the entire Bible. Imagine that, a parrot that could recite the entire, <clears throat> entire Bible. It took a team of eight pastors years and years to train this parrot. And all you would do is you just shout out chapter and verse, and the parrot would just speak the verse of the Bible. And so he, um, at a great cost, a $250,000 donation he had to make to this ministry, and he had the parrot sent to his mother's house so that she could have, um, should have the Bible in that way. And she was so excited, she sent a thank you note to her son. Son, thank you for my birthday present. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But the Bible is precious. Um, you know, every week, we, somebody stands up here and reads from the scriptures, and then somebody stands up here and preaches from the scriptures, and try, we try to make it clear and expound on it and to apply it to our lives. If, if anybody was visiting this church for the first time, there's two things I would want them to notice. One, the first thing I'd want them to notice is say, hey, you people really love God here. You, you sing, and you're excited, and you're excited to be here. You love God, and I in some way can experience that when I'm here. The second thing I'd want people to say is, wow, you really, uh, you, you really focused on the Bible. You get the, whole, the bulk of your time of our worship together is about God's Word. Um, and I, I would want people to see that. Because the Bible plays a prominent role. So the question for us is, why? Why is it such a big deal? Why do you spend so much time and effort on uh, this book here? Because there's other faith groups, and even those who call the name Christian, uh, that don't put such an emphasis on this. And now, now don't get me wrong. We, we do not worship uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. We worship God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we believe that, um, that this is God's word for us and to us, that this is God revealing himself to us. Uh, if, and think about it. If God is almighty, and if God is holy and, and so great, you as a human being, you could never understand that God. 
You could never know that God unless that God chose to make himself known. If that God wanted to be known and wanted his heart and his way to be known, uh, then perhaps we could grasp this God. And we believe that that is exactly what God has done, that we can know him and know his heart because he's given us his word. So we are doing this I Heart the Bible series. We're going to, over the next number of weeks, we're going to talk about why this matters so much. We'll do that today. Um, We're going to look at what does it really say? What is the... the big message of this book. Uh, What can it do to me? Will this actually do something? Uh, We're going to look at sort of how we deal with the Old Testament and the New Testament. How do we use this in community together? How do we use this individually? Um, We're going to do a week on how not to use the Bible. Uh, That should be interesting. Satan used the Bible, so we don't want to use it like he did. So um, this would be good. I have to give credit. My friend Pete in uh, Newburyport, he's a pastor up there. And I was visiting his church last summer and they were doing a series very much like this. And I, I went up to him after and said, I've got, I'm going to totally steal that from you because this is, this is, uh, this is really good. So, um, so he's, he actually, we uh, shared some resources and um, so I'm grateful to him. So I hope you're interested in this as we jump in. Uh, there's two of you out there that I'm worried about. One of you, I don't know who you are. You don't have to raise your hand. Um, one of you uh, might say, well, this is a little too basic. Kinda, I kind of get this already. If that's you, um, I pray that God would just show you how deep this is. Uh, this is this is rich spiritual food, and we're going to be looking at the big picture, but we're also going to be digging into some beautiful passages of Scripture together. And um, I, I, if if you believe God's word is too basic, then um, I, I just pray that you would understand it in a deeper way uh, through this. Uh, the second one of you out there, if you're out there again, don't raise your hand. Is you might just find this uninteresting. This is maybe too theoretical. Um, you might be sitting there saying, look, pastor, I've got so much going on in my life. I've, um, I've got a lot of, I'm hurting here, and this, I don't think this is really what I need. If that's you, I would say the Bible speaks to whatever situation that you're going through, whatever trial you're facing, whatever hurt you're up against. Um, if you understand God's word rightly, you can better navigate any situation, anything that life can possibly throw at you. So, and as you do it, you are tapping into a spiritual realm in a, in, in a way that you're not going to experience in other places. So I just encourage you to walk with us through this. So let's pray together as we, as we jump into this. So Father, we ask that you would bring us deeper into your word closer to your heart, more aware of your love and your grace during this time, this morning, and always, Lord. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would teach us your word and teach us your way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, So to jump into this, we're we're using Psalm 119 as a, a guide for us. Psalm 119 is uh, the longest psalm in the Psalms. It's also the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Psalm 119 is longer than some of the whole books of the Bible. One thing that you uh, would lose as we read it in English is that this is a poem, and it's an acrostic poem, where each uh, stanza of the poem, each line in that stanza begins with 
a specific letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes through the whole Hebrew alphabet. And you wouldn't really see that as you read it in English. So it's a poem, but it's also a prayer. It's a prayer that celebrates the Torah, the law, God's, uh, God's word to his people, his commandments, his instruction, his, uh, his precepts, and his laws. It's so the one who is to pray this prayer is praising God for his word, but also praying that their life would be changed to be more like God's instruction, to be more like God's way. Uh, so it's a beautiful prayer for us as we think about uh, why is this so important? Why is the God's word, why is the Bible so important to us? And let me give you four reasons from this passage. The first reason is that in God's word, we see his salvation. Look at verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. In the Bible, we see the beautiful promise of God's salvation. The Bible tells the story of a perfect world that was created for God's glory and all its goodness, but a world that is become very broken by sin. And sin brings death. It brings death to the world and it brings death to us. And we see this uh, in verse 92. I would have perished in my affliction. There is all the afflictions of a sinful world and there is death that results from that. Apart from turning to faith in God, we perish. And we see it. In your life and in the lives of people you love, you see people every day who are going around this broken world and who are just lost and they are perishing and they are, they are, in, they are experiencing these afflictions of life. And we know in God's word that it was Jesus Christ who came to save us from that death. That on the cross, Jesus took death. He died in our place as our substitute that we might have new life in him and be saved. And anyone who calls out on the name of Jesus, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Romans chapter 10 puts it this way. It says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In verse 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. It's, it's through his word that is understood and, and, and read and spoken and preached to others that they understand God's salvation, which is described here, where they, in faith, can call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Therefore, when we look into this book, it's not, we're not just trying to be better. It's not a self-improvement book, a self-help book. It's, uh, it doesn't make me better. You know, the, I read the Bible to be a better husband or to be a better neighbor, to be a be- better father, better worker. No, it's not about being made better. It's about being made new. It's about being saved from a life of death. So it's not just interesting history. It's not just inspiring messages. You know, I want to go to church. I just want to hear an inspiring message. I want you to be inspired. But above all else, I want you to know the salvation of God. This is, it is, it is in here where we will meet our Savior. So that's the first reason, because we, we, we can know God's salvation through his word. The second reason why this is so important, why the big deal, is that God's word endures. We see this in verse 89. 
Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. There's this comparison of God's word to the laws of nature. With the stability of the earth, the, the uh, you have established the earth and it endures the same, in the same way God's word is spoken. God, by his word, speaks all things into existence and they become eternal. And his word, as it is spoken, it endures. It is an enduring word that doesn't change. It, it's, it's compared here to the laws of nature. You, know, you could go and you can kill a plant, but you can't make a plant disobey the laws of nature that God has uh, declared into it. And I, I know this because I have a plant, and um, I, if I want to nurture that plant, I actually have to obey the laws by which it is governed. So uh, my, my wife and I, we love Hawaii. And her grandparents uh, lived in Hawaii for a long time. When she was growing up, she got to visit quite a bit. We still have family there, and uh, it was just, a, just an amazing place. But when you step off the airplane in Hawaii, you just smell the fragrant flowers. So I want that in New England. So I have a plumeria tree. I have a plumeria tree. If you've visited my office in the winter, there's a red bucket with sticks. It looks like sticks. And that's my plumeria. Now, I'll tell you, my plumeria blossomed this year. It had like six or seven flowers on it. And it blossomed two years ago as well, not the year in between, because it doesn't belong here. We don't have the conditions for it, but I'm trying to, it's, it's bound by how God designed it, and I can't violate that. And I try with all my heart, and I had these little, yesterday was windy, and one of them fell off, and I, I went to the driveway, picked it up, <laughs> brought it inside, made everybody smell it, and try to clean it up. This, it had already fallen off the, the I call it a bush, but it's, it's really just two sticks. But the, my point is, you can't change the law of nature the same way you cannot change God's law, his word. It endures forever. First Peter, in the New Testament, says it like this. First Peter 1.23, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. His, God's word endures through all generations, and it is good for us today, just as it was then, and, and yes, there's a great distance between when these words were written and today, and there's historical differences and cultural differences uh, and language differences, but it's still true and it still holds firm. And that's good news for us because this world is crazy and this world is unsettled and you're gonna, we're going to go out this week and there's going to be all these things coming at us and all these changes that we, we see, but God's word holds firm. It doesn't change. And it regrounds us and it reroots us in his truth that we can navigate an unsettled word, world through his enduring and true word. That's why it's relevant for us today. And that's why we make a big deal of this. So in it, we find God's salvation. In it, we, uh, it, we, we know that it endures. Thirdly, why this is such a big deal, it's, it's, it's our defense against evil. Look at verse 101 up here behind me. I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I've not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. There is evil that we can do. 
in God's word will keep us from an evil path and put us on to his good path, a path that leads to life. We are capable of great evil. The prophet Jeremiah says, the heart, the human heart, is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Elsewhere, Jeremiah talks about the stubbornness of your evil heart. In the New Testament, James talks about our tongue, our words, says, saying that the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We are capable of speaking terrible words and doing uh, evil acts. In God's word, it keeps us from that evil path as we understand his word and his world as he has revealed it to us. And there's not only the evil that we do, but there's the evil that is done to us. That, there is, that evil is real and we have an enemy. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And part of that armor is verse 17. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If we do not take up God's Word into our lives, we are not defending ourselves against the enemy in the way that we should. And we need to defend ourselves. God's Word says, be self-controlled. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We are actively being pursued by evil, and we, with God's word, can understand and defend ourselves from that. Otherwise, we're walking around in this world being um, we, our own evil hearts contributing and uh, um, the forces of evil against us. And that's why this is so important, that we, we know it and that we are uh, meditating on it and that we are consuming this as good spiritual food. So it's our defense against evil. That's the third thing. The fourth thing, the last one. Why is this such a big deal? Why is this so important? Because God's word is a, is a light to our path. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Uh, some of you know that I have a certain relationship with Bible verses that get made into refrigerator magnets. And by refrigerator magnets, that could be a, a counted cross stitch. It could be a motivational poster, uh, internet meme. It could be anything where a Bible verse is taken out of the Bible and made into an inspirational saying. This is one of those verses you may have seen on a refrigerator magnet. Uh, and, and my issue with those sometimes is that when you take a verse out of its context, it, it can kind of lose some of its power and meaning. A very beautiful verse can get misunderstood. This one right here, if you have this on your refrigerator, leave it there. Hang up that cross stitch, wear the t-shirt. This is a good one. God's word is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. I actually agree with this one. And uh, what, a, what a beautiful thing this is. Yesterday, I had the privilege of going hiking with my daughter. And we were going to go the whole family, and we were going to go further away. Uh, but my, it was, whatever, just me and my daughter. And we went to a smaller mountain, but it was a mountain, nonetheless. And we climbed together, the two of us. And we were getting near the top. We were a little cranky, a little tired. And there was a couple in front of us, and they were going very slow, which was kind of frustrating, although we weren't going so fast ourselves. But they were going very slow. And when we got right up on them, and they weren't moving over for us. We were clearly going faster than them. But when we got close enough to them, we could see that the man was blind. 
This guy is climbing the mountain with his cane, and, uh, and he's actually almost to the summit. And he had his hand on the shoulder of the woman who he was with, who I assume is his daughter. And they are climbing the mountain one slow step at a time with her hand on his shoulder. And, and my daughter and I talked about that, how hard it would be to climb that mountain with all the rocks and with the narrow trail um, with, without vision. And, uh, and they did let us pass by, and then I felt bad. And, and, but the, the point is that the Bible is... The Bible is that light to the path of our lives, that we are walking and we, do, we cannot see the way. And you cannot see every rock and every hole and every cliff on the side. But just as that man had his hand on, his, on the shoulder of his daughter, that we put our hand on God's shoulder and he is giving us the guidance and the light for every step that we take. And through that, we gain his wisdom. Look at verse 98. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. And it it makes us wise as we see God's heart and we learn his way through his word. Elsewhere in the Psalms, it says that God's word makes wise the simple. Even somebody who's not that smart is made wise through God's word. It makes us wise about the world in which we are seeking to live and navigate, but it also makes us wise about ourselves. It, it helps us to see ourselves for who we really are. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Not only is the Bible a guide and it's an inspiration to me, but it's sometimes brutal. You read the Bible and it hurts because it's showing you your own, where, where you're deceived. It shows you your own sin. It exposes sin like a, like a knife that knows my thoughts better than I do. And I read the Bible and I, I just think to myself, you know, I'm, I try to be wise in my own eyes. I'm I'm a stubborn person. I'm independent. I lean on my own wisdom. I lean on my own understanding. I trust things that are temporary over trusting God's eternal, enduring word. And I just realize that, and God's word exposes that to me. And it hurts, but it's good. It's God refining. It is God giving us wisdom even about our own hearts. Through his word, we find his salvation. We We know it is enduring truth. It is our defense against evil, and it is a light for our path. So the question we have to ask, then, is it true? Is it it true? And many of you say, yeah, of course it's true. I believe it's true. But why do you believe it's true? Well, I just do. And many people believe it's true, but they don't know why. And we're going to spend some time um, over this series trying to unpack this a little bit each week. But let me just quickly, um, and there's good reasons to doubt things that are written. And we teach our kids this, right? Don't believe everything you read. Even the news that we read isn't always accurate. So there's plenty of reasons to not trust it. And, you know, somebody could argue me and say, look, you're using kind of circular logic. You're saying that, you know, God's word guides you because his word says it guides you. It's kind of circular logic. Okay, that's... That's fair. And I want to let you know, it's okay to, to struggle with this and to, and to wrestle with, is it true? Because it's the most important question. Um, I would commend to you, our Alpha course starts this week. 
So we had a little check it out thing last week. Tuesday night, Alpha spends a whole uh, week on the Bible and how do we know it's true and why do we trust it. And they also spend a, a week or really two weeks on um, G- who is Jesus and, and did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because here's the thing. If Jesus rose from the dead, then there's no other conclusion you can make than he is the Son of God, the, the Christ, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We, then you would pay attention to him. And he affirms all of the Old Testament, and he um, commissions all of the New Testament, and so it really hangs on Jesus is a good place to start. But um, there is evidence, external evidence, that the Bible is true, because the Bible, different than other religious writings, is specifically historic. That it's not meant to just be a list of uh, rules or philosophy about life or wise sayings or fables. It's, it is specifically God's work in human history. And then historical evidence corroborates what the Bible teaches, including the resurrection of Jesus, which we don't have time to unpack right now. But we could do that. Um, so there's the external evidence, but there's also internal evidence that this book, as it has been written in history, there's been prophecy in it that is fulfilled again and again in a way that is, there is no other way to explain it than in that it is valid. But there's also this external evidence, internal evidence, but then personal evidence that it, it changes us. My friend Michelle, she was a, a Jewish woman and she, her parents were Holocaust survivors and uh, she, somebody gave her the New Testament. She starts reading it, and she said, oh, no. Oh, no. And she kept turning the pages. Oh, no. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And so many have missed it, and it changed her life. For me, uh, there's been so many times where I am just stuck in prayer and, and feel that God is so distant, and, and then I, get, I see his word, and his word helps me to pray, and I hear God's voice through his word, and it, it comes alive. God's word becomes alive and he guides me through it. And um, just all the, in your story, how God has used it to guide you and to show you things that are true. And as we understand its truth, we can see God's salvation. We can see that his word endures. It's our defense against evil and, um, and that is a light for our path. So what is, why is this such a big deal? Let me leave you with this verse. Gospel of John. This is one of Jesus' apostles. He said, These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let us pray. Father, maybe today is the day that um, someone here says, I want to believe and I want to have this life. I'm done messing around. I've I've tried to navigate this world on my own, and I I can't do it. I need your wisdom. I need your word. I need your salvation and the life that I experienced through it. And I turn to you in faith, Lord. And I pray that we all would turn to you in faith and in renewed faith to trust you and to trust your word. As we gather in small groups, as we, um, on our own, as we search your word, Lord, may, um, may we hear your voice and may it come alive for us. And may we give you all the glory in all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.